Hello and welcome back to this episode of TF, uh, the free edition. It is me, free Riley. Free edition? Yeah, that's, that's what yeah, it we're is. We're doing now. that voice every voice. time to get you to subscribe. Yeah. We will, oh, gee, it's the free we'll one. We'll make the free oh, edition boy. much more annoying. Yeah, that's right. Join me in the free edition. The free edition, the free edition of each episode is going to be like include that like chime that the Blair government pa- um, played in the early two thousands to scare teens away from public places. Oh yeah, the dream keyboard solo. <laughs> no, no, that was a real thing. No, the anti-teen sound. Oh, the, mo- the mosquito, the yeah. really high pitch. You should get that for your building because you have rowdy teens, right? You have mm. a teen infestation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where all these freaking teens came from. Yeah, our building is full of like a bunch of there's like fifty teenagers in like tracksuits. Who are bizarrely eating fish and chips and like hanging out weird, like loitering in our office building? Like, I don't think they've got an office. Yeah, I don't know why we rented a studio in this school. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta start the mosquito going, it's the only way. Yeah, that's right. We gotta frighten, we gotta frighten Mm -hmm. away the teens from our building. That's right, yeah. Um, and we gotta frighten you into listening to the Patreon episodes. That's right. Uh, it is Riley, Milo, Alice, and Nate today. Yes, yeah. I'm here. Rare one, but I'm here. Uh, <laughs> post rare Nate. Yeah, we always yeah, love to have Nate on the podcast. Don't don't it's, post rare Nates. If you do, it's just that same photo of me from seven years ago, just more pixelated. <laughs> just, just, That's right. It's just it's just four or five pixels now. Uh, yeah. And we are very lucky to be joined uh, for the second time, uh, collecting his uh, TF Lounge Plus Club membership. It is uh, Vincent <laughs> Bevins. Author of the Jakarta Method and uh, and journalist about uh, various various interesting uh, things, including Brazil EU tech regulation, inter alia. Vincent, how's it going? Good, I'm good. How is everybody? You're good. Returning uh, champion. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Returning champion, and uh, you, we can we'll give you your lounge access card once we are finished. Yeah, here. you can go hang out with the teams. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I hung out with them for a little bit for a while. Yeah, it was good. Oh yeah, <laughs> just getting to know them. Yeah, so that's what's, the warm up for the podcast. You chat to the teens. Yeah, well, that's, that's what journalism is. Yeah, as you find a hallway, yeah, you've, you've replaced the green teens. room with a teen room. Yeah, the red wall voters. <laughs> that's who you're communing with. God, it's that's that's just sounds very very much like sort of you know. What like ten years into a very conservative Britain is oh, there's yeah. the teen try, room in BBC. Try explaining trans rights to the teens in the trash future foyer. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the, the teens in the TF foyer love they love uh, yeah. the no nonsense style right of Keir Starmer. That's right. That's who it's for. I, I like the teens in the foyer, and I welcome that they're eating fish and chips. But I do feel that they could add a gherkin or a wally. <laughs> So, um, we got some 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 stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, ongoing developments in Brazil. Could things mm. possibly be looking up? Uh, we're going to talk about uh, EU antitrust stuff. But first, uh, an update from the tightly contested London mayoral election. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's uh, the, fu- <laughs> the the guy you learned to jack off from the Chinese guy's going to win. No, it's the um, it's the yeah, the number one. Ads for him. I'm thinking ads for him on YouTube now as a consequence of the stream that we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Alice, you too like to jack off. <laughs> yeah, do you um, want to be taught how to be jacked guy? off by a Chinese man. <laughs> Well, no, the um, Chinese man is like, I hear that you destroyed a space station. (laughs) That we could learn Um, so much from each other. No, uh, this is uh, this is the Lawrence Fox campaign update. Oh, the other other fun candidate. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, they're all fun candidates, except for Sadiq Khan. Um, <laughs> so uh, Lawrence Fox has said, if I'm elected mayor, no statue will be torn down. I pledge to increase the number of statues in the capital. Oh, if anything, the number of statues will go up. Yes, I love yeah. statues, actually. What statues uh, yeah, basic- is he going to put up? Is he going to put up the Evangelion? And if not, why uh, not? He has, uh, uh, number one, hard G. Number two, I don't uh, care. he has said... <laughs> it's ne- uh, Never go hard yeah. G. <laughs> uh, the Victoria, if, if Victoria Cross recipients will be uh, receiving statues uh, in, ah. in, in, um, ah. in London. Doughty so, Wiley with yeah. a big walking stick hitting a Turk over the head. <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's the statue H- I want. H. Yeah, so, Jones leading from the front in statue form. Oh, absolutely. Or just like some guys that got blown up by IEDs in Afghanistan. <laughs> a statue of H. Jones that's like a comedy like Looney Tunes explosion <laughs> with just like various <laughs> arms and legs sticking out of it. <laughs> um. So, but and recognizing though that uh, Lawrence Fox's uh, statue-based culture war, <laughs> completely idiotic statue-based culture war party that I think is going to do a little better than everyone expects. Mm. Um, yeah, it's going to be Tories also have, Yeah, all <laughs> of those rowdy great. teens are going to vote for him because they love statues. Yeah, they're all like base teen nationalists who all want statues, more statues on every That's corner. Right. You should not be able to move for statues. <laughs> anyway, if you're not following based Whitechapel on based Twitter. Based healing. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Tories are set, going to give a 10-year jail term for threatening statues. Hell yes. Yeah, that's if right. you shake so your fist a- at the big statue of an exploding H. Jones, you will be surely killed. Yeah, so- Men out there, if you see your friends threatening statues, call yeah. them out because <laughs> there violence are against no statues more has gone pressing issues than this in London right yeah. now. Absolutely nothing. And so if you like, if I, I've said this before, if you're not like a middle or upper middle class uh, white guy and you want to be treated with basic humanity and respect in Britain, the best thing to do is have yourself encased in metal and put upon a plinth. Yeah, be a human and- statue. Just do that. Right. Go to Covent Garden and become a human statue. Just like Lawrence Fox just walking up to the human statue and just tearfully saluting. Yeah, d- due to a loophole in the laws, we've inadvertently protected human statues with a mandatory 10-year sentence. Um, so, mm. bef- before we go on, uh, Vincent, what, what, has this all been at all sort of surprising to you, this uh, statuephilia uh, I, sort of sweeping the nation? No, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I pay as much attention to this as you do, because I try to stay away from things that make me go crazy. But, like, is this, would this, would this really happen? Like, do you think they would actually hand out a 10-year sentence yes. for Here's Starmer, baby, night court. I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 100%. No, but I mean, do, do we think that there will be a human being, like, in prison for this, and then this will happen? Because, oh, like, yeah, I that, think, was I mean, that, I that was that kid who, like, swung off of one yeah. of the flags at the Cenotaph during a... During a oh, s- it was Dave Gilmore's son, yeah, Charlie Gilmore. Yeah, it was. And, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a kid who was sentenced to five years in prison for stealing a bottle of water in 2011, oh, and I remember the person that. who oh, was yes, running I'm, the night oh, court... Oh, I remember that. I mean, because like, I mean, not to like uh, make it sound like the systems are equivalent, but like the fact that they reference that this would be like an emotional drama or like an insult to the United Kingdom. I mean, what what would we say if Hong Kong protesters were faced with 10 years in prison for insulting the Chinese Communist Party? Right. I mean, like this is it seems really, really bizarre to explicitly say it's about insulting the nation. Uh, I don't know. I I just I, I find it really remarkable. Well, I, I think it's the it's partly the that Britain basically like is instituting like uh, les majest laws mm-hmm. just like 
No, we you know, would we would be less insane. We would be less insane if yeah. we just did that. If we just had a law that said flat out, you cannot insult the dignity of the state or whatever. And if you do, you're guilty mm. of wrecking or like fucking counter-revolutionary behavior or whatever. We would be a lot. We would have a lot less cognitive dissonance than having to do it like piece by piece like this. To be like, oh, if you if you touch the big statue of this guy who poisoned dogs for all of his life, then uh, we, we're going to have you shot. Well, why do they dog poisoning? Why do they, it's called being English. Why, don't like it. There's why the door. did they even put up a statue of Reginald Dog Poisoner VC? <laughs> no, probably, probably cause of the VC. He was poisoning dogs for the Queen <laughs> yeah, in Oman. Yeah, he, he poisoned a bunch of German dogs on the Western Front. Yeah, these uh, we people don't understand about Reginald Dog Poisoner is that many of those dogs were very right wing. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the thing is, right, it's because for the last, like, several years, like, as soon as Cameron was out, Spike mm. just started writing cultural policy, basically. Yeah. Whether it's sort of indirectly via sort of Nick Timothy and Theresa May, or sort of directly with, like, you know, Boris Johnson and his coterie of uh, freaks and weirdos. Um, it's, it is just all of the things, because Spike just exists to try to, like, identify what the sort of liberal or progressive or whatever view is and just try to infuriate it like they have since mm. the 80s when they were the revolutionary communist party um and so it the whole thing triggering is triggering the libs since 1984 yeah, it's just to trigger the it is a trigger the libs law um and that's all it is and speaking of triggering the libs uh, i want to do one more quick uk news item before we move on to sort of uh, other better and more real countries uh, ah. than this one uh, which is that um, we've decided that uh, we're going to uh, vastly increase the number of Trident nuclear warheads uh, from 180 to 260. Yeah, and we'll be deploying them in cool. plain clothes throughout nightclubs to protect women. That's right. That's right. If, if someone touches a woman without her consent in a nightclub, that nightclub will be mute, <laughs> thereby preventing any issues involving violence against yeah. women. Every in statue uh, will have a Trident warhead embedded in it. And if you tamper <laughs> with that statue... That that goes very hard, actually. <laughs> I'm kind of in favor of that. Uh, um, it's fine. Uh, finally, annihilation. Mm. Uh, so basically, but so there, that's one thing we have ended uh, three decades of nuclear disarmament and reversed basically a global trend mm. where nuclear proliferation is back again because it I don't know triggers the libs or makes people in like Redbridge feel Imagine good. Imagine getting nuked uh, by Britain, right? Imagine your your God. death and like the death of everyone around you coming at the hands of these fucking islands. It's just got a like you, you see the warhead coming towards you, and it's just got a there are only two genders and a bunch of crying, laughing emojis <laughs> on it. That would be cool. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like the Enola Gay, like uh, from fucking um, uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, like, just riding it like, down. It's like Bass riding the bomb, <laughs> like England football shirt. Uh, um, so it basically, the other thing they've done is, in addition to increasing the number of uh, pointless, world-ending weapons that basically also don't work, uh, that we're just going to have like on subs just tooling around the North Sea in case the Danes mm. get a little bit too uppity. Mm. Yeah, um, to be honest, if they say they're going to nuke the dames again, they've got my the vote. Dames, the, dames. the dames, no, the dames, <laughs> fuck, nuking broads. Yeah, so, I'm not. So, yeah, gonna, hey, <laughs> we're, we're nuking office girls. Um, no, so the they also have said they're lowering the threshold for their use. <laughs> what the what the fuck was the use threshold before? Uh, well, it was like if if someone else is about to nuke you, right? 
Yeah. Uh, if they're if it's a preliminary or second strike. <laughs> like if someone looks at you funny or touches your wife. Kinda. Then more or less. Nuke. They said now this the state um will use their nuclear weapons uh if they are threatened with a cyber, chemical, or biological attack Hell using emerging yes. technologies. We're doing fucking Ooh. first strike capability. We're actually further to the right of North Korea on this one. Nice. Yeah. Rules. Or, if you if, or hacking. So like, yeah, if some country does like Russiagate stuff to UK or they think that they will, they can do yeah, them in advance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like, well. so if, if some Macedonian teens like hack into Boris Johnson's Twitter and are like, <laughs> hey, our send, me, building. Send, me, send me some cryptocurrency, I'll double it and send it back to you. Nuked. Macedonia's fucking gone. Vincent, I have a question for you because you're the the rare to have a Brazil expert in uh, in studio. And I'm just wondering, given uh, similarities to American psychosis in Brazil. Do they have a, like a, an also similar uh, call it post empire collapse syndrome where they're just freaking out about insane nonsense like this? Because Britain really does to have seem to have like a I don't know perfected and refined variant of it. And I'm just wondering, is it unique to this just horrible island in the North Atlantic, or is this something you perceive uh, in places like the country that elected Jair Bolsonaro? Well, like the one thing about the right in Brazil over the last few years, and I've written about this a little bit, and it's pretty well documented by now, is they like to quite a large extent learned how to be right wing from American YouTube. So they often like, <laughs> like, like, and this is explicit. They'll like say this, they love this. They often you like the big right wing guys in Brazil like move to the United States and then get on YouTube um, and get really close to like um, Ben Shapiro um, and then try to like replicate that discourse. So a lot of times they end up sort of reproducing memes or discourses that don't make much sense in brazil but they're just importing them from the united how states how do you so say absolutely trigger you... the libs in portuguese <laughs> uh, like yeah that lacração, like that's like the way that you like own someone online is you're trying to like lacra, like it's yeah. like that uh, let's just say like... <laughs> hypothetically your president has coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> but like it's absolutely absolutely bolsonaro adopted the trigger the lib um strategy um that he saw working in north america and like his son specifically is credited with creating like an online, well, they call it, it's called the hate factory that just say sends out WhatsApp messages to all of Brazil. Um, and based on whatever it is they think will play on a certain day, they'll attack this party, um, this person. And yeah, it's absolutely about provocation rather than governance. Um, He's got and, his own Don Jr. I didn't know about this. This yeah, is no, very exciting. No, it's his. He has three. Yeah, three fail sons. He's three Don Juniors. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Because cool. yeah. none of them are the Eric who's like worse looking, but no, somehow and, more and of a reasonable certainly person. Certainly no Ivankas. He's got three Don Juniors. Yeah, no. Yeah, there's. Yeah, well, the most, the, the most hardcore one who like flew to Hungary to like praise the the government there. Like learned how to be really right wing while snowboarding in Colorado. Um, <laughs> Montage. Uh, <laughs> I'm snowboarding, but what I'm really training for <laughs> is being racist. <laughs> is ruining the largest country in South America. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, like if you look at like if you just Google his name, like Eduardo Bolsonaro, you Google him, like Google him and his house. He'll have all mm. this mess with Texas or like guns on the wall, like all this weird like cowboy right wing kind of Fox Newsy um, mm. visual language. That he picked up in the United States and he thinks is like he thinks he like brought it back, like he discovered like the future of politics, which maybe maybe he did. Interesting. Well, because um, also Brazil, Bra Brazil is also a state with its own nuclear history as well, right? I, I don't even know what's they they I mean, Brazil had a quite uh, an impressive uh, like space program. Mm. Um, 
They never developed a nuclear weapon, as no, far they, as I know. They, inten- they intended to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, I think this was in the era of the military dictatorship when, like, even though the military dictatorship took uh, took power in 1964 with the full backing of the United States, knowing that the, the United States wanted them to do it, the military dictatorship at some point got very, like, jealous of their power, especially in the Amazon. They thought they may, may have, might have to sort of defend themselves from an attack, uh, even from the United States. And this is, to a large extent, why they threw white people into the Amazon to destroy it. They, they believed that if they did not populate um, the Amazon with uh, what they believed to be real Brazilians, like non-indigenous Brazilians, because um, they had, a, of course, a very racist view of the actual Amazonians, that the, the, the rest of the world could try to take over this part of the world. So they have this weird nationalism that is super pro-America, but also very jealous of anybody else um, messing with them. So they basically were so I don't racist. Know any countries like that? <laughs> they, they were basically so racist that they declared an inhabited part of their own country terra nullius. Yeah, well, they they said we have to put people out there, um, yeah. or else, uh, or else they there would be we would be at risk of of invasion. You see, and when you first said we've got to we've got to throw people into the Amazon to destroy it, I was imagining they're throwing the white people into the river to uh-huh. break the river for some reason. Like, yeah. fuck this river! Oh, yeah, we're that's, gonna throw corpses. That's in because here. you got Eduardo Bolsonaro's WhatsApp message that said that's what PT is planning on doing. All right, that's what Bill Shorten yeah, wants well, to destroy yeah. the Amazon yeah, and the throwing weekend. white people in it. That's right. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. In, in, in this UK thing, though, they're saying basically that they must do this so they can avoid the grasping naivety of the David Cameron years with regard to China. So we're, just do, we're basically doing a big China hawk thing um, mm. where we're... Well, I'm glad that's had no consequences. Yeah. <laughs> where we're going to be like, yeah, well, uh, time to develop more world-ending weapons. So, like, if so, just uh, to really to, to ram that point home, life-on-earth-ending weapons... Because someone is going to like again the worst possible. Like, I'm 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 even going to be charitable, right? The worst possible cyber attack completely freezes the power grid. Um, you know, completely shuts everything down. Probably yeah, fucking yeah. cyber threads. Yeah. Like, so like probably mm. even yeah, like I'll, I'll probably having a pretty high body count. The UK is like even if you do that, if we think you've done that, we are going to end all life on Earth. Yeah. Uh, which which is, to be fair, if you cannot log on to Twitter.com, yeah. <laughs> fucking end it yeah. all. Pull the plug. The nation of posting through it has finally secured an unwavering commitment to destroy all life on Earth if we can't do that. And I, for one, think that's If I can't cool. read a pastel infographic posted by a simpleton, what is the point? <laughs> <laughs> we will defend these TikTok dancers with not only our lives, but the lives of everyone on the planet. <laughs> it would be very funny to nuke the Chinese for denying us access to TikTok. Yeah, that's right. That would be an amusing geopolitical yeah, chicanery. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's really reversing the uh, US position, uh, I know. Holding, holding the gun on Milo, like, step away from the lake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway that's uh, so those are some some little news tidbits about uh, about the UK mm. but um I want to sort of go back to go back to Brazil for a little while and talk about uh Lava Jato and the end of the, po- the possible end of the world's longest car wash. Um so we've spoken a little bit about about Lava Jato before but just to catch people up uh Vincent how clean are the cars in Brazil? Oh well <laughs> well they used to be very very dirty. And then one heroic man in the south of Brazil named Sergio Moro started cleaning cars, and he cleaned cars so well that they let him clean the entire country, and now there is no more dirt on a single car for forever. Uh, he solved all of the, the problems of dirty cars in Brazil, and we should never 
think about it again or look into what's actually happening. Uh, indeed, that's right. Well, that's that segment over then. If you have a car in Brazil, be confident that it's clean. Uh, but no, no. So um, in, 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 in actual point of fact, uh, what this was, was there was a, a sort of major uh, series of corruption investigations uh, that was led by this judge, Sergio Moro, who we'll talk about again later, um, in Brazil, where they were finding that there was a, a, allegedly a lot of money being laundered through a car wash, therefore the name Lava Jato, uh, outside Brasilia. And um, it was one of these investigations that, again, correct me if I'm wrong, w- was sprawled and sort of implicated everyone in Brazilian politics. It, um, it, 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 it destroyed the government, essentially, if I'm not mistaken, as well. It, um, it brought down, I mean, it led to the fall of certainly of one president, although she was not implicated in it directly. But it's, it, it did start in 2014, as I said, and it became very, very big, implicating much of the political class and really rocking the, the nation to its foundations. Um, it, you could argue that it did uh, collapse the government because there hasn't really, really been one since that impeachment in, in 2016. Yeah, there, there's been a, a YouTuber. There's been a YouTube channel, basically, and a WhatsApp guy. Yeah, well, he's he's, face, he's a Facebook live stream. Uh, yeah. is is in charge of Brazil, um, and it is it absolutely yeah it absolutely transformed um, the country. Um, when I got there, I moved to I've lived in Sao Paulo for most of the last ten years. Um, and I was sent there um, by the Financial Times to cover what was at the time this the emergence of this uh, um, booming um, giant in South America. There's, there was an economic boom. The country was sort of stepping on the geopolitical stage. Um, all of that changed. <laughs> it started to change in 2015. Um, and in the last six years have been really like sort of a, a political and human and economic uh, catastrophe. And of course, uh, the 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 president now Bolsonaro would not be in power if it mm-hmm. were not for Lava Jato. And the thing about Lava Jato, right? And this sort of came out and uh, it sort of has been coming over the last twelve months. The extent to which this anti-corruption investigation, which you know, implicated the uh, widely beloved uh, ex-president Lula of the of the sort of of the left, uh, where it transpired that Sergio Moro, this guy, this pro- this this um, this judge, uh, was basically coaching prosecutors. And sort of exchanging lots of WhatsApp messages with them about like how to bring this guy down, and then uh, Bolsonaro made Moro his justice minister. Yes, that's absolutely right. So that happened in 2018, and that 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 um that leak that you referred to come out in 2019. But if you go back even further, I mean, there was as far back as 2015, 2016, it was very clear that this judge Sergio Moro, um, who did start in sort of a small town, he was not like a national level judge, was. Um, cutting corners or being especially aggressive, he was using the media to to organize um, the kinds of provocations that he wanted uh, to make happen. He was illegally leaking um, recorded phone calls. By 2016, it was already clear that he was breaking the rules to do this. Mm-hmm. But at but at that point, it was seen by a lot um, of people in the mainstream press within Brazil and definitely in the uh, the foreign press, sort of worth. Doing um, the uh, impeachment of of he gets results. <laughs> damn it! That's, I mean, it was absolutely seen that way. Like he was seen as a crusading superhero. Um, but and then in 2016, Dilma Rousseff was impeached on very minor sort of budgetary rules by a Congress, which that was by all accounts much more corrupt than she was. But then, as you get in 2017, 2018, it becomes clear. Like, no, no, not only was he sort of. Um, cutting corners. He was really breaking the law. And this was really a um, impartial investigation, right? So, mm. um, and then in, in 2018, Lula is running against Bolsonaro. Lula is first in the polls. Um, Lula, uh, as you said, a uh, very popular president, 
Um, I would say that Lula's Workers' Party is probably the most successful social democratic movement in the history of the Global South. Um, at the same time, I'd also say that when I was living there, I was also reporting on uh, many failures uh, um, of that government. But he, he ended his term in 2010 with like 87% uh, approval rating. So in 2018, he's running against Bolsonaro. He's in first place. Sergio Moro puts him in jail on very flimsy uh, charges. Bolsonaro wins and then turns around and makes Sergio Moro his justice minister. So yeah. at this point, we've For being gone, really good at administering justice. Yeah, was, I can't just, see how that could be a problem. Like that seems I don't like see, because he did such a good job, that was yeah. why he became. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if he didn't put him in jail, he wouldn't have done a good job. That's not justice minister material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, and so at this and like Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro was a joke before this, right? Like he had been a long time, uh, a long time legislator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that uh, when Vice did their series uh, Gaycation with Elliot Page yeah, uh, hosting it, that they the, the team, the, the co-hosts at one point did like a small feature where they met with yep. Jair Bolsonaro, who was at the time famed for being like the most homophobic yeah, He was like in a Brazil. joke interview to get. Like people would trick him into saying things like, oh, and I grew up on a farm, I used to fuck chickens all the time. And like, he did that. Yeah, female like, chickens, like a normal yeah. person. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, he was absolutely, he's, well, he was in the army, but he was kicked out I and mean, he was forced to resign because he was accused of planning to plant bombs uh, in Rio to, uh, you know, this is like a very common thing that the military dictatorship would do, false flag operations to get what they wanted. He was caught allegedly doing this. And then he spent decades in Congress doing really not much except for screaming to nobody uh, that would listen that the military dictatorship was good and should have killed more people. Um, yeah, so he was basically freelancing Gladio. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he, well, he absolutely said we should not have transitioned to democracy. We should have killed more people. Yeah. Uh, we should kill the president. Uh, he yeah. said that on television. Um, and then the but day- that's not the kind of man who would then put a guy in jail for running against him in an election. No, no, it's a, he's, he's, yeah, it's, a, it's above, you know, it's above board. Once he was elected, of course, he was uh, doing whatever was needed to save the economy. Yeah, power has, has mellowed him. Well, he's matured. But in, in, I mean, in one sense, right? Like, a lot of uh, he like people love to talk about oh Bolsonaro based nationalist and it's like I don't know he's like basically uh, he's sort of ex- he's governing kind of just like a just like a right winger right yeah so he I mean the the day that he was sort of launched or that he launched himself to the center of Brazilian politics was the day that um Dilma Rousseff was impeached I met him a couple hours before I interviewed him for the first time. Um, before that and vote to impeach Dilma Rousseff. But when he impeached her, he dedicated his vote to the man that had tortured her under the military dictatorship. And this was such a sort of YouTube-friendly provocation that he became the face of opposition to everything um, in a moment of sort of national crisis. And uh, uh, when the, you know, the political center and center-left had been blown apart by, by Lava Jato. But yeah, and then he, but in power, he's not doing anything. He like, you know, like, I think the- comparisons- trying to trigger the libs in power. Yeah, successfully. Um, he, but for a lot, you know, I went back at the beginning of. Well, it's, it's. I guess I, I shouldn't just say he's trying to trigger the libs in power. He's like launching. As I understand, he's like launching like homophobic. Um, he's launching. He's making Brazil more homophobic, right? Like legally and so on. But he's not like instituting some. He's not like instituting a top to bottom transformation of society a la the military dictatorship. Right. So he never Next really had ambitions. Yeah, he never really had the institutional power to do that. So I went back last year to go do uh I was actually in Congress interviewing some of the most crazy Bolsonarista congressmen, like when the pandemic really, really hit. But really Congress had kind of taken over because he wasn't really capable of governing. What he would like to do 
uh, and would still like to do is to wipe the left off the face of the earth. Like that's his main goal. Like he doesn't think that the left should exist. They should all have to either go to jail, be killed or leave the country. And now he has very little power um, to like he remake Brazil in his own image. But, you know, to the extent that he can really like mess up the, the response to coronavirus, the, 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 the way that he can like push pro-gun legislation uh, in Congress. It's Head absolutely- down the been, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, give a green, give the green light to a process that was already underway. Yeah. Um, it's been absolutely a disaster while he still has not been able to like create Brazil in his own image. And so what's happened, right? The reason, one of the reasons we're talking about Brazil is that Lula has now essentially uh, been um, exonerated uh, from his from these accusations in in Lava Jato, as I understand it. Wait, but, what? But he was put in jail by well, the guy who did a really good job. That's the interesting thing. Exonerated, basically based on a jurisdictional technicality. Again, as I understand it, but nevertheless exonerated. Yeah. So it's a bit uh, technical, and like Brazilian jurisprudence is even more like uh, bizarre than that in the English speaking world. But one, <laughs> no one's telling me that the country where half the political class went to jail over some Christopher Maltese anti shit has a baroque justice system. It is quite baroque. They, yeah, they like it's they they look they like dress like wizards. It's uh, it's an interesting Supreme Court. Yeah, who cool. would do that? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Alice. Um, and so what the 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 ruling that we just got from a single justice basically came to the conclusion that Sergio Moro did not have this jurisdiction to try him where he was tried. Now, this has been criticized as a very narrow and strange way to overturn this con conviction. Um, usually this criticism has come from people that don't want Lula to be uh, free to run in 2022. But ironically, he may have done this precisely to save Sergio Moro himself from trouble. Because if he had made the other um, um, ruling, which was possible, which was to say that Sergio Moro had acted um, uh, uh, incorrectly, had been an impartial judge, um, then you would open up the entire Lava Jato to prosecution hmm. and Moro may, himself may have been in trouble. So what we have is a strange situation now where Lula's now politically rehabilitated. So he's now allowed to run in 22 if he wants. And he had been quite quiet in the early years of Bolsonaro. But when this decision came, he came out and he made a very aggressive speech mm -hmm. that a lot of people really liked, including people that had sort of convinced themselves a few years ago, I'm never going to vote for that party again. So he's definitely back. And it's in just a few weeks, totally changed the political landscape. Like his, his approval rating is now like not, not where it was when he left, but it's, it's quite high now, isn't it? Uh, Lula. Yeah. Yeah. So they just did like a, a poll really recently. Um, he, and he came, you know, like it's, it's divided up in like, this is the person I want to vote for. Uh, and this is the person I would never vote for. He has the highest number of people saying that they would definitely vote for him and the lowest number of people saying that he wouldn't. So he's ahead of Bolsonaro now. Again, and taking advice again, from which Sakia is like Starmer. Arguably why he was put in jail in the first place is because that he was going to win in 2018. I mean, what are the, I mean, call me, call me cynical. What are the chances that like Bolsonaro right now is like, sitting in his perfect replica of Joe Rogan's studio with his like three idiot sons trying to come up with a way to like entrap Lula in another crime. Like I, I that's what I'm worried about is I'm worried they're just going to try and kill him, right? And I want to know what the chances of that are. Well, somebody on well, this was I mean this is kind of like noise, but somebody did threaten to kill him on on a Brazilian Twitter the other day. Um but but I think that uh that the other possibility is a real one. Like you never know if Moro and the judiciary and whoever um, um, has been prosecuting for years may have some card in their back pocket to say, oh, no, actually, we have you on this other crime. But I think Lula came back so forcefully that that would be hard. But that doesn't mean they wouldn't try it. Like this whole Lava Jata thing, like reporting on it got very 
like annoying because like every three months you had like a crazy twist that nobody expected. But when you have like 47 of those, they stop being interesting. So like, is it, is it even possible now to answer the question of whether Lula was personally corrupt on any real level? Or is that just now totally obscured? Uh, yeah, you could, I think if you could sort of answer the question, uh, I think I would say that Lula took power in 2003 um, into a system that a, never, a left-wing president had never governed, knowing very well that it was a dirty one and knowing that he had to get his hands dirty in order to, to uh, make any progress. And he went in there sort of knowing that that would be how he did things. And it is how he did things. The, the uh, giant corruption scandal that Lava Jato un over, uh, uncovered was absolutely real. It was much bigger than sort of one party or one person, but it absolutely continued to go on while he was president and, and probably expanded a little bit. Now, did he get rich? Did he like buy stuff? Did he like get, you know, grab money, throw it in his back pocket and like buy a house in Miami? I think it's, there's no evidence that for that happening. The, the evidence is that he sort of allowed or encouraged a unofficial corrupt means of raising money for political parties to continue uh, while, while president. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it was it was like funds or proceeds from uh, the state oil company. Yeah. So it was it was a an a sort of automatic understood process with that that when there were very big uh, infrastructure projects or oil projects, a certain percentage would be taken uh, and put into a slush fund, which would then be redirected political parties that um, for use in things like campaigns, not just his party, a lot of parties, um, and it was a lot of money, um, but it was moving it from one part of the state to a different part of the state without without admitting to the public that that's what was happening. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and I mean like even even with the the scandal and even with uh Rousseff getting impeached um under Fernando Haddad it looked like PT did okay in 2018. Well, 2018, yeah, 20, but, I mean, so 2018 I was there um as well. It was a strange um moment and some people on the left were very upset with Lula for insisting that he was the candidate even though he was in prison and he certainly wasn't going to be allowed to run. So some people that I know wanted him to step back and allow some other left-wing candidate to take um uh to take the reins for from him, uh, but he insisted on being the candidate and it wasn't until very late in the campaign that finally uh, Haddad or, uh, you know, Fernando Haddad um, became the candidate. And so he didn't debate Bolsonaro. Bar Bolsonaro just didn't show up to the debates. He didn't, you know, probably judge rightly that it wouldn't help him. And um, so Haddad had a really strange, short campaign, but he still did okay, right? Like it wasn't, it was, he got, it was in like 55, 45, something like this. Um, and uh, the, the possibility that Lula himself could run in 2022, I think would be quite bad for Bolsonaro. Mm -hmm. And so I think let's like thinking about like thinking about this as well, right? Like as I understand it, um, Lula's tenure was marked by quite a few things. Like it was, and it was under Lula that sort of Brazil became the first letter of the BRICS. Yeah, uh, that we got like a lot of that GDP growth, and um, you know, I mean, and Bolsonaro, despite all of his promises to you know turbocharge the economy with shock therapy and make the whole place more right wing and all this, uh, basically, like it should come to no surprise to listeners of this podcast. Um, but basically just failed to do uh, much sort of for Brazil's economy. And I go, arguing about, GD about GDP growth to justify left-wing politics is always Charlie Brown kicking the football. But like Bolsonaro, just he doesn't seem like he could even, he could really make any kind of claim except trigger the libs versus quite a bit of growth and prosperity under Lula. Yeah, and that's exactly the case that Lula's going to try to make, I think, fairly successfully. Like, you know, um, lucky for Lula, there was a commodities boom in the years of his office. So it was the case that almost everybody got 
better off. The rich got better off. The poor got better off. There was inequality was reduced. Um, and under Bolsonaro, uh, he admits quite freely he doesn't know or care about economics. But what he did is he grabbed a, a Chicago boy, like a literal uh, uh, Pinochetista, like who had who had studied in in Chile and really uh, praises the Pinochet approach to economics. And he was like, "Yeah, hey, this guy's gonna do." It. His name is Paulo Guedes. Um, that didn't really work out. And now, it's whatever, I mean, even if you all you care about is sort of like market reforms in, in square, uh, scare quotes, the damage that Bolsonaro did to the economy reputationally um, through the Amazon and through the horrible uh, 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 managing of coronavirus, like it's it's been a net negative, even for sort of the most ideologically committed neoliberals. And um and, and Lula's going to make the case that like, oh, well, actually, you know, we'll just go back to, you know, everybody getting along and the the workers getting along with the bosses and there'll be growth. And and the question is if Brazilians will vote for that. Mm -hmm. And also if the military will let that happen. I mean, mm -hmm. in, in 2018, there were noises from the military saying like, if if Lula is allowed to run, we will take action. Mm -hmm. And this kind of thing hangs over Brazil, I mean, you know, uh, redemocratization only took place, you know, a couple decades ago. So, like, yes, there's this walking this really this really tight rope where he has to sort of appeal to the people and say, "I'm going to be the anti Bolsonaro, but I but not scare international capital or sort of like the ur urban bourgeoisie um, uh, 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 that could really sort of just block him from 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 taking power." So, I, mean, again. I guess I, I guess the sort of the crassness of Bolsonaro is quite useful here because we see a rare example on the left or the center left of the kind of Biden campaign of like, after this embarrassing interlude of just like letting the dumbest guy in the country do stuff, we're gonna we're gonna go back to being normal and respectable, right? And I don't know if that's gonna work or not. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's ironically sort of a good parallel. Like when Biden himself was elected, like a lot of centrist or center-right commentators in Brazil were like, oh, we need to look, what's the Brazilian Biden? What would the Brazilian Biden be like? And they implicitly were looking for a center-right figure that would be in the middle of what they thought would be acceptable. But I think the more proper Brazilian Biden is just someone from the Workers' Party, because that's the party that was in charge the last time things were normal. It's, it's the, it is the, it's the nostalgia candidate. It's the recent nostalgia candidate. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that's who was running things before. Everything just got unnecessarily chaotic and shitty for... for how lucky would it be if Lula gets in in 2022 and there's just another big commodities boom? I, it's, there's, there's a, <laughs> no, there, I mean, people have talked about that possibility. I mean, it, it could be, you know, he he could like in like like Biden just kind yeah. of pick up the the upswing, you yeah. know. Um, he kind of has Softwood, that luck on a personal level, doesn't he? It's interesting. Softwood lumber is is up the moment he takes office, <laughs> um, but that's I think that also goes to the heart as well as to why like. Unlike other, even though people sort of like to talk about Lula as this, you know, as all oh, this populist or whatever, he has a great deal more legitimacy in like the, the in, in the global north than like Nicolas Maduro or Evo Morales, oh, yeah, precisely yeah. because Lula, because his governing style is very sort of much consensual. Uh, it's very, um, like I say, consensus based. Yeah, it's it's also quite um, and it's about it, and and especially now he's going to have to not scare anyone. Yep, like there's no one's going to say Lula took my family's slaves. Right, but they will say that about like about uh, Maduro or Chavez. Or they yeah, we're not, we're not about to see a bunch of like Brazilian Chavismo. Yeah, well, no, I mean this was I mean this uh, they they scared this up um, in 2013, 14, 15 because if you go back to the moment when they decided to impeach Dilma on on very flimsy charges. The PT had won four elections in a row and Brazil's traditional elites were terrified like, oh no, like 
these guys are just going to win forever and they're cheating by being popular. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> they got those. Why does that sound familiar? <laughs> so yeah, going in, just seeing some butter on the stairs, like, oh, geez, is this guy oh, again? No. And, and this was Peter like. Peter Mandelson dispatched to Brazil on a special mission. <laughs> yes, Mr. Bolsonaro, very, very buttery staircase. And this was explicitly, I mean, maybe perhaps implicitly what they were worried about when they put him in jail. Like, well, he can't run because that's not fair because, of course, he'll win. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> people like that guy. Why about we have someone that people don't like for yeah. a change? Yeah. And um, yeah. And so. So, yeah, this is this is this is worrying. But again, like, as you said, when Lula at the end of Lula's term, Obama very famously was like, you're the most popular man, the leader in the world. You know, he's the man. Um and the financial press absolutely, I mean, uh, loved him in the late 2000s. He's a union boss. Like his whole life has been, I mean, this is like totally cliche in Brazil, but you know, listeners aren't Brazilian. He like is the kind of guy that will have like whiskey uh, with the with the bosses, like with the capitalists, and then later get really drunk with like the football fans on like cheap cachaça. Like he knows how to talk to everyone and sort of stitch something together. Almost like in a bit of an Obama coalition. Uh, it was the, it was the same. It, like it was the same era, but yeah. he came from like he came from like a real organization that had been built up over decades, like among the actual proper working class. Yeah. Like Lula lost a finger. Like he's a metal worker. Like he his, he's like actually uh, a representative of the working class that sort of helped to overthrow the dictatorship in league with like more liberal elements within the Catholic Church. So he had like a real organization. Mm -hmm. But it was yeah, it was it's it's. I think that like the comparison to Biden in terms of not their like specific approach to the yeah. world because like Lula's like a left leaning at least uh, leader he's not going to like try to overthrow Venezuela but um he's he's the sort of can be the return to normalcy even for a lot of the middle class that kind of might have decided that mm. he was very dangerous a few years ago. Well um if you want to talk about uh who thinks he's dangerous uh, I have some of Bolsonaro's responses to that speech you were talking about where oh, I'm sure these are going to be so among normal. other things uh, sort of uh, Lula again in this very fiery multi-hour speech uh, basically just uh, excoriated Bolsonaro for um, giving everyone in Brazil COVID on purpose more or less um, including himself including many himself times like five or eight times yeah, that's, like, that's actually that, that's, that's the question that I, I want to ask Vincent here is why does Jair Bolsonaro get coronavirus every two weeks persistence yeah well, it's like, <laughs> his dedication Jair, Jair Bolsonaro has the physicality I think of like an Elmer Fudd where he's all he's constantly just getting the, just the shit kicked out of him by circumstances he has every disease under the sun Jair Bolsonaro embodies the Sandhurst spirit and that he will never ask Brazilians to do something he's not prepared to get him to do himself <laughs> and that is get the coronavirus yeah he's become infected with the novel coronavirus it's not so novel to him anymore, is it? Yeah. And, in, and there's some <laughs> element to this that is from his sons that think they're good at social media. They like to show his um, sort of vulnerable side. Like, because him getting stabbed during the 2018 election, which was one more thing which like threw the whole thing into chaos, they figured had helped him. And it, it did, probably. So... And then like, getting stabbed every two weeks after that. <laughs> so you're, say, you're suggesting that his he may never even have gotten COVID. It's just his sons kept on like drenching him with fake sweat and putting him in a hospital. Camp. Well, there was it was a weird thing because when I was in that's elder abuse. I think that he probably got it, but I I think it would not be insane to find out that he didn't get it when he said he did. Yeah, if that makes sense. Because I when I was in Brasilia about to interview a real a real hard Bolsonarista. 
like they shut down Congress as I was trying to get in and everybody got it. But then he was tested several times and then he wouldn't release the results. <laughs> you, because he had double COVID. He didn't want to scare people. Yeah, he's but then randomly a few months later, he like just announced that he had it. It just, it's, they, these people huh. think that they're really good at using the internet. And you know, I mean, so cool. they run, you know, they run one of the world's most important countries. Maybe they are good, but. So um, Bolsonaro's response to Luna of Lula's, um, well, n- number one, he appointed his fourth health minister in one year, which I'm sure is going to fix things. Uh, and his, his response to Lula was, um, he said, uh, he's never called COVID-19 just a little flu. He's never doubted the effect- effectiveness of vaccines. Um, he said, in my case, due to my past as an athlete, if I were to be contaminated by the virus, I wouldn't have to worry. I wouldn't feel anything at most a little flu or a cold. But then he's denied ever having said that, despite having said it many times. I've seen this man try and do a push-up, and this man does not have a past. <laughs> it's athlete. really weird that he—that's his big, like, sort of proto-fascist like symbol, and he hasn't like figured out how to do one yet. Like, if you just Google Bolsonaro push-up, he's not doing a push-up. He's so he's just, bad like, at push-ups. <laughs> and he just like and, humps and he the was, air. He was a paratrooper. He was a captain in the fucking parachutists, and well, he can, can't can do we, a push-up. Can we just? Can we? Can we? Can we just say? That it is absolutely normal and acceptable for former captains <laughs> in the parachute to be complete idiots and suck at doing anything physical. That you could do one push-up right now. Yes, yeah, I there could you do go. one. You're yes, beating Bolsonaro. So in this address on Thursday, in addition <laughs> to like, like crushing an entire Gatorade and then doing one push-up and then being like, there. Yeah, just get it. Get now it cover your fucking Patreon get- subs. The the videos that he puts out are ridiculous, right? Because he'll go and like he'll inspect the troops, and it's you see the video of these like nineteen year old psychos in uniform, and he'll be like, "Okay, fine, let's do push ups right now." Everybody gets down into push up position, and then he doesn't do one. He fakes he one. Like, weird. He just like on because video. he shakes his hips. Because it was Biden's thing was to challenge people to push up competitions to make a point. That's the weird thing. Huh. Oh, I think, so I think, maybe Bolsonaro is I think, the Brazilian I think they're Biden. All, they're all a little bit Biden. When he called that guy fat and yeah, he like he, kind of threatened to... Yeah, he said... He said he, why Why are we governed by by like insane old guys? Because the they're, they're the smartest, most capable people that we have. There was a, there was a, <laughs> yeah. few, a few things like this about Biden. There was number one, uh, he challenged someone um, who asked him a question on a debate panel to an IQ test. <laughs> <laughs> That's just king shit. A guy argued with him, and he, it wasn't just that he called him fat. He said, "Listen, yeah. fat." <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. I think it's um, or he said he ba- he said um, it, it all started when he said he wanted to like take Trump around the back of the barn and deal with him. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm gonna take Trump, take Trump and that dumper around the back of the barn. Well, and there's the famous story where he, you know, the form, famous story down by the pool when he threatened the guy with a chain and then yeah, somehow well, that was solved the guy, racism in in that, Delaware that somehow. He, it's that, Fucking oh, corn God. pop. He handled that. I feel like that. there are so many things that I'm going to remember on my deathbed, and that's one of them. Uh, but so there are a, f- a few more things about this uh, Bolsonaro speech. Um, he screamed, "I am the most important person right now," which cool. I think that's I th- very Don Jr. Yeah. That's like powerful. Don Jr. is on YouTube. He's wide-eyed and sweaty. Uh-huh. I'm just. I'm the most important person right now. You. T- I'm at the Queen. <laughs> uh, so he says, "I'm the most important person right now." That sack of meat said yesterday that I should speak to sack science to the science minister Marcos it's genuinely Fontes. Genuinely, so satisfying, right? How scared he is of Lula. Yeah, this even the stuff that he just mentioned, like all that, like U-turn on vaccines, on like the little flu. Like people think it's because he's like responding to Lula. Like everyone responded really well to that Lula speech. He's like, ah, uh, never mind. Like science is good, vaccines yeah, are like, good. Oh yeah, I I, I always said that, and yeah. it just, it just mm. and then it cut to a montage, like a full hour of him just saying it's a little flu, vaccines don't work, and because I'm an athlete, I, I wouldn't even get it. 
Uh, but no, he said, um, that sack of meat said yesterday I should speak to science minister Marcos Pontes, who has been to space, and ask him if the Earth is round. <laughs> Which, Which is a fantastic space, by the way. Look at the quality <laughs> of my science minister and that criminal's cabinet, and then we'll talk. So he basically... That's a fantastic own, just pointing to an astronaut that this guy employed, and is like, yo, you should take this guy, you should ask this guy if the world is round. <laughs> um, that rules. Yeah, that's I great. love that. That's it, great. It's, I mean, he is... Because that's the problem, right? Is that uh, trigger the libs uh, campaigning only really works if your opponent is like uh, again beyond say others putting their thumb on the scale. Yeah, and like only, Lula, yeah. Lula's the reverse of this. He's he's the first guy for a long time who's managed to work out how to trigger the right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's very good. I mean, this speech was like people were it would like it 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 really like all of the brazilian internet was like whoa whoa this is he's really good at this yeah. and i think he'd been i think he'd been like really waiting to say this stuff for the years that he'd been kind of uh, muzzled because in the years that bolsonaro has been in power i you know this is speculation but i think it's credible he didn't really want to attack bolsonaro too um aggressively because that could have triggered some kind of judicial action to put him back in jail and now he was like mm. he came with like the really good stuff and like the you know brazil was like wow i've yeah. just realized why the sack of meat thing made me laugh so much it's because it's reminiscent of that line in the film troy where i think it's achilles says it to agamemnon it's because you, you sack of wine yeah for like no reason yeah that's right i would well, be incredibly unsurprised if the bolsonaro family had not seen troy several yeah. times yeah. <laughs> oh, <they're, laughs> favorite documentary troy yeah that's great um, so, but Bolsonaro building a giant wooden horse. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an athlete. manly to do that. Yeah, that's right. Um, Sneaking so, into the judicial so, system. I, but it's what I think is interesting, right? Is that like you know, it's that trigger the a, a trigger the libs campaign in, in Brazil seems to be kind of falling flat when met with like an actual actual sort of substantive popular resistance. It's not like you know, basic basically purely triangulated. Yeah, and I think I mean it was. It was like what really matters is the last few years have been awful, like mm -hmm. constant chaos. Like, I mean, I was stuck in I mean, I was for, I was here a little bit over a year ago, right uh, on this uh, podcast. And I went back to Sao Paulo and I ended up being stuck there during the, the pandemic. And it was like really bad. It was one of the hardest probably things I ever lived through. Like Sao Paulo was just it was really just human misery everywhere. Um, and you can only you can only sort of justify that that's not the president's fault for so long. After a while, it becomes clear like, oh, this guy's responsible. And, and you mentioned like, there's been four health ministers and like the health ministers don't like leave because like he fires them or like, you know, there's some kind of a, a deal where they, someone else takes over. There's like really public, like in the media fights between the health minister where the health minister says, health minister says, you're being incredibly irresponsible. I cannot do this job if you refuse to do what is right for the country and then like resigns and there's a new person that resigns immediately says that for the same thing like it's just um it's yeah you, know, you can only get so much juice out of like saying provocative stuff and praising fascists mm -hmm. on youtube well it's the it's the whole thing of like of, of that kind of government hates to govern because actually doing stuff isn't fun uh it's not popular it's not making people cheer for me um, in fact, if I do stuff, there's a chance I could do it wrong, and I don't know how to do anything. Yeah, Bolsonaro, I mean, Bolsonaro was in in Congress for three decades, and he didn't really do anything. He sort of tried to funnel more money to low level police, and you know, uh, again, speculation, but very credible. His his family um, developed 
Nah, not speculation. His, his family absolutely developed close ties with the police militia, which is a kind of paramilitary slash mafia criminal organization run by former cops um, um, in, in, in Brazil, uh, especially Rio. But yeah, he didn't do anything and he has no interest in governing. And so Congress took over a lot of that um, the first year of his government. But like in a crisis that, you know, that's it's hard, you know you need to do something and like in the neoliberal era or whatever you want to call it call it become a be sort of become a customer of the idea that like everyone you know the market will just run the country my job is to make speeches and attack whoever and um the pandemic right now is very very bad it requires doing yeah you have to you have to be the government and like and this is one thing that lulu said in the speech that like really reverberated like so many other things like we don't he's like number one we don't have a government i repeat we don't have a government and he's like do not follow any of the stupid imbecilic orders given by the current president of this country. They're all wrong. Listen to science and like listen to doctors. And like that was such a normal thing to say that people are like, oh man, it's nice to have like a normal person up there. Um, could, I, could I ask a, a quick question yeah. for you, Vincent? Um, I was just wondering because there are a few things that I'd seen like maybe traces of reporting in English, but I wanted to get if you could maybe talk about a little bit because like there have been some incredibly insane things that have happened even above and beyond the catastrophe in the US and the UK in Brazil. Uh, the things that I'm thinking of are um, I think it's in the state of Amazonias. The, the hospital is basically running out of medical oxygen and running out of ICU space. I know that there's currently an issue with like a a new variant in Brazil that's apparently very, very dangerous to even young people. And it seems like it's spreading pretty much out of control. I'm wondering, um, like, has that stuff been the kind of thing that would break through as like uh, people losing, I don't know, losing their patience, losing faith in this government? Because obviously, like in the U.S., I don't know, it's it's hard to, to gauge. Like, it, it seemed like there was no no possible low that would stop Trump supporters from supporting Trump. But it also seemed like some situations got genuinely, um, what's the right word here, dire in a way that they didn't even get to, in, except in like maybe small, like isolated areas in, in the United yeah, States. Yeah, so, so the city of Manaus, uh, M-A-N-A-U-S, you can Google that if you want to see like, read some really horrifying stories. Yeah, people like the the collapse that people were worried about here or in the US like actually happened. Like people died because of a lack of care. Like people asphyxiated because there was no oxygen. People got to the hospital and then died because the the system had been overrun. And for a lot of the pandemic, Bolsonaro was actually doing okay um, in terms of popularity. Like he was never, he's never been a really popular president, but he had some level of stable support. It tends to be sort of like the urban middle classes that really care about the way the pandemic is going, uh, whereas a lot of the working classes know that no matter what, they're not getting a lockdown either way. Uh, sorry, they're like they're they're not going to get it, like safety either way. So um, some part of the sort of right leaning working class has always been with Bolsonaro, but for the first time, um, the last few weeks, you saw his his approval rating drop below thirty percent. Um, so. So yeah, short answer yes and yes. Like it, it, the 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 systemic collapse happened there in a way that we only feared that it would happen in in places like New York and London, and it is getting bad enough to to really sort of put a dent in his popularity, even with people that spent eight to ten months not really caring that much about the way he was uh, handling it. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was just wondering about that because it it looked dire, but it's also dire right there, now there yeah. seemed to be yeah, and it seemed to be. There wasn't a ton of here and there. You might get a foreign correspondent article or something like that, but it didn't seem like it was getting a ton of coverage. It's to, I mean, it's um, tough to go out to Manaus right now because it's just everything is so 
Yeah, I mean, Manaus is really far. Brazil's huge, right? Brazil's twice the size of the European Union. So like, um, it's you really need good coordination in a moment like this. And it doesn't help that the top guy is just yeah. like getting in the way. First yeah. Brazilian city to dig mass graves in response to COVID, apparently. Well, that can yeah. only be good. That yeah. that sounds to me like they're putting in the necessary infrastructure. So I think yeah. <laughs> getting yeah, getting going. What's needed? Yeah, um, yeah. How many mass graves has Lula dug? I yeah. zero. That's right. I think so. Um, all right. So the the other thing, right, is um, uh, both the is, is that um, uh, the the FT's editorial board, a paper I normally very much enjoy, has kind of made a <laughs> look we have some friends of ours over at yeah. the financial times yeah, so we want to make it clear we enjoy their work okay yeah. we respect them they respect us <laughs> well it, it it sort of produced a a rare stinker i'm afraid to say we're gonna have to have a sit down <laughs> with the guys already ft that's right so um where there is this there is this emerging um argument that ah uh, uh Actually, Lula, uh, the problem is that Lula coming back in Brazil um, and like being a government again is bad because it's going to cause polarization. Yeah, I, I saw I saw this editorial from the FT and like, again, like I used to work there. I have good friends and like probably won't like I probably know who this is. And like off <laughs> later like, when we're not recording, I can probably tell you about this, like what their background is. Like we'll find, find it interesting, but I'm not going to say it. On the podcast, but yeah, this seemed it was like this seems like one part concern trolling, one part cope, right? Like it's like they don't like the idea that Lava Jato had a lot of credibility until three weeks ago is just it's a fantasy, yeah, right? Well, it's 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 someone who you want to understand this again, very flat version, right? Of uh, where you you have like almost like the civics class understanding of uh, global politics. Yeah, well. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I read this, this, this editorial too, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's okay. I know. Okay. And the idea, I mean, there's like a lot of concern about polarization, right? It's like, oh, well, it's we, new. Can't, we can't have polarization. Can't have what if we have right. polarization? You can't have left and right. We need to have only right and right or else. <laughs> we you need, know, to right, will, <laughs> need to right and nice right. Yeah, we need to, yeah, or, yeah, good right and bad right. And that's it. And then we let the good right win. And I think, you know, for, for, for for two years um actually like some people in the financial press or some people in the press in brazil which is sort of tailored to local elites really thought they had um, turned the page on on the workers party the pt and so they thought okay let's find the new center-right guy and then everyone had had a lot of fun picking amongst all these center-right uh quote-unquote moderate candidates even though they had also yeah john jackson jack johnson <laughs> jack johnson jr uh jair bolsonaro eduardo bolsonaro uh, Carlos <laughs> Bolsonaro, um, and and even though all these quote unquote center right um, candidates had supported Bolsonaro when push came to shove, which is like a point that all like the best Brazilian journalists make, like the Brazilian right will be extreme right if mm -hmm. nobody is putting a, a check on them from the left. You need some kind of a polarization, need some kind of a threat of like if you don't do a good job, the other side will win, right? So um, the idea that Lava Jato that the worst mistakes of the Lava Jato must be maintained in order to preserve the 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 investigation's credibility seems like it's really it's really something that you would write in 2014 or 2015. I mean, it's over. I mean, like like I said, I, I laid it out. Like it's been years that it's been really clear that this has been unfair, and maintaining unfairness is not, I don't think, better for the credibility of an investigation than. Mm -hmm 
fixing even in some small way uh, some of its abuses. So what what the what the editorial says is it says uh, Bolsonaro has a woeful record in power, which has included repeated repeatedly praising dictatorship, allowing Amazon deforestation to surf twelve year twelve year highs, and dangerously mismanaging the pandemic, while disappointing investor hopes for big economic reforms. Which I don't know about you guys, that's the biggest sin of all. Yeah, that was the saddest. Yeah. Do you life. remember? I, mm. I sometimes remember this. Is uh, I found this the the, the uh, that Economist article from 2019 where they were like, ah, uh, Jair Bolsonaro tackles Brazil's pension problem. <laughs> again, like, again, I definitely know who wrote this. Yeah, so I'm gonna, yeah but, cool. Um, Thank you, Economist. Yeah, but again, this this to the extent that this happened. I mean, even if you are, uh, uh you know, uh, a liberal in the economic sense, and these people, you know, these people exist and they believe in it, and that's okay. Um, the the extent to which progress was made on that front was not even him it was the, it was congress that kind of took over because he wasn't mm-hmm. governing um and yeah i mean if you're an investor or you know a member of the brazilian elite bolsonaro has not been good for you it just didn't work out what is it with right-wing governments and simply refusing to govern it's very like we've seen it a lot in britain we're seeing it in brazil it's like a very it's like, in america really yeah I mean, the, the, yeah exactly like the whole like the i mean i i kind of you know it's like if you even remember right-wing minorities uh in in the senate in the u.s would like threaten to destroy the u.s government and sort of put it out of business for sort of several months at a time um there is just i, well, I mean i think really there's there was they, the neoliberal idea was always that the state should be as small as possible. The market should do as much mm. as possible. And so you de- you develop this sort of... Um, you, you get this generation of political leaders who are sort of raised on this ideology that they shouldn't really ever do anything. I mean, I, I always talk about this in terms of, um, you know, David Cameron as well, right? Like... Um, did he do things? I was here the like, whole he time. He did things to a pig. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he also bet the entire uh, future of his political project on a referendum, which he then lost. But like, even so. if, I mean, again, respect for that. Yeah, but that's that's a very even, tough even thing that was him do. trying not to do things, yeah. right? It was just kind he was of trying a, to. He was trying to avoid having to do. He thought yeah, like he, he thought that, he that was people to, are going to yeah. keep yelling at yeah, me, like, so I'll give them the referendum. I'll, I'll pretend yeah. like but I care about what this. I, and I'll what move I always remember, right, is like you know. Blair worked very hard at being a monster. When the, the the old story is always that, like the retreats of Blair's closest aides to like go and go into the countryside and cook up policy or whatever was basically seventy two hours, no sleep, lots of coffee, constant work, 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 work. Mm. Whereas when it was with Cameron, it was always basically going and playing croquet in his house with his wife and drinking pims the whole time because there is this acknowledged David Cameron's hot yeah. wife. There is this there is this acknowledged thing. That where I think a lot of the right sort of knows that it doesn't really it, it's not there to do anything. It's there, in fact, to keep things from being done and mm. to just sort of allow it just to just sort of allow the markets into more and more and more sort of facets of of of, of your life. And the problem was when when you get someone like Bolsonaro who is basic who doesn't even really know that he's not supposed to govern he just has a sort of cartoon image of what governing is which is you know going up on a podium and making a fiery speech and then things will work themselves out a from cartoon there. image of what a fucking press up yeah. is yeah, i and, mean his 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 political project is is one of cleansing the nation like he just thinks that you will if you remove this cancer which is the left then that that's all you need that's my job i need to cut this piece of the body off and then you know everything will will, will go will go well and it's an entirely a repressive mm-hmm. uh, uh, operation and so doing uh, sort of proactive things mm-hmm. uh, you know that's not part well, of the some part of the so, job so much of it aside from the bits of actually like m- enforcing crackdowns on minorities which we've seen in the US we've seen in the UK which we've seen in Brazil 
other than that, these guys basically just govern in the superstructure. They're just there to like react to and make more ideology. They're not sort of doing stuff. I mean, that's you're really seeing this in the United States to a strange extent too. Like Ted Cruz exists purely at the level of discourse now, right? Yeah. You're just like on Twitter yeah. responding to tweets about tweets, right? Like yeah. it's it's very yeah. I mean, uh, this is. I mean, uh, I think this is where where we're going probably globally. <laughs> uh, I, I, I've never seen a man who looks as much like like the neighbor in the sitcom whose wife is cheating on him as Ted Cruz does. <laughs> he's so like for that reactionary of a politician. He's so like he has such a like fascinatingly wet energy. Well, they all do really. Mm. I mean, all of them are 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 very pathetic people. Yeah, Trump doesn't, with though. the exception of Trump. That's the Trump. No, Trump ruled. But like a lot of the guys who are like, who sort of have, who are just sort of cynical and kind of just want power and mm. who are sort of center right playing, playing to the further right. The problem is, is they're massive. They're like Marinetti. They're massive pussies who are trying to impress the big, strong soldiers. It will yeah. always come off ridiculous. And they also eat aluminium and stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> have elaborate dinners. That take, yeah. They just take a really long time and they're boring, um, but they sound good. Yeah, they the, sound the, good waiter, the waiter comes by and sprays the coronavirus into your <laughs> That's face. Right. So, uh, but this, this editorial uh, goes on. It says, the judge's decision has had unhappy consequences, striking a heavy blow oh, no. against the credibility of Latin America's biggest and most successful corruption investigation. I mean, absolutely biggest. And yeah. like, like in terms of you know, conviction, but I mean, a it's lot been, you know, again, if you're paying any attention, uh, it's been a long time since you could really make this claim. Like I said, Sergio Moro became justice minister in 2018. So I think one easy, perhaps overly schematic way to think about this is that political corruption has existed for a long time. And then there was a, judicial crusade which became in itself judicial corruption and at some point that corruption the judicial corruption became larger and worse than the thing it was combating right when you put bolsonaro mm. in the presidency and then you award one of the most important um offices of that presidency to the man who removed the most powerful president in brazilian history from the the running now you've you fought you fought the you fought the battle with something even worse uh, uh, than you were trying to exterminate. And so... Yeah, we've you know, had this, this is... snake problem, but now we've released all these mongooses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and, exactly. and, and so, and it's, like I said, just this this view that um, the exoneration of Lula on a technicality, uh, just like the f the idea that, oh, this is bad because it discredits Lava Jato and it's on a technicality only makes sense if you ignore everything else. Yeah, I mean, it's mm. it, it makes sense if you think about what you want you wanted Lava Jato to be, not what it actually was. Mm -hmm. What it actually was was the employment of large scale judicial corruption to, in a partisan way, remove certain actors from Brazilian politics and not others. And again, I actually definitely know the person that wrote this editorial. Um, but again, the last line in the editorial really um, gives away what it's really about. Um, almost as unappealing is the promise of a polarized election that next year uh, will be between candidates of the hard right and the old fashioned left. Now, again, not the, the old fashioned left. Yeah, not well, the people. That, Lula isn't really old fashioned I mean, either. Old fashioned is dictatorship in Brazil, well, usually right? The old like, left, usually the old left in Latin America is like the Stalinist communist parties or something, right? Mm -hmm. Which like, totally still exist, right? But um, no, he, he, the old fashioned, old fashioned left. I mean, again, this is a weird it's projection. <laughs> yeah, it's, that, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the old-fashioned left is the uh, it's the dolphin guys, the space guys. Yeah, Lula, the space Lula guys. has reanimated Chairman Mao. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's the it's the classic. It's also like I think you if you talk about the old-fashioned left in this context, I imagine that this editorial is sort of projecting uh, the image of as certain UK politicians 
onto. Yeah, I was, was going to say there is a there is a really weird like gray on white font here that simply reads in four thousand point font, Jeremy Crobnitz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, but this is an interesting like way if you compare like the way that sort of the English language press treats uh, movements in the global south compared to the way they talk about their own countries. Like you wouldn't say about Germany or France, like, oh, well, you can't have the same party that was in power 10 years ago. We need to have a new set of parties every three years to renovate the political, you know, like everybody understands. And yet and, they do do that in Germany and France. So. <laughs> and yeah. Everybody understands that you need to work with the movements that exist, right? Like there is no other left with the, the institutional power to take on Bolsonaro. And I think in some ways it's suboptimal that it's Lula again, but like that yeah. is the best that that side of the the spectrum has to offer. Yeah, so it's because so, like, earlier I said you know, it's it sounds like this this idea of you know um of putting together this coalition basically of workers and kind of socially progressive bosses and sort of urban middle class. It's a bit of an Obama coalition, but that doesn't make Lula an Obama figure. No, right? yeah, and, yeah. And I think what the what what I think a lot of um you know a lot of of Western watchers of Brazil seem to want is they're like ah oh, this guy again. I wish they would change the actors on this TV show like the Obama that I liked. You know, he was uh, fun and inspiring and made me feel good about myself. Why can't they do that? I don't like this season of The West yeah. Wing. I want the old season of yeah, The West Wing. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, it just, I mean, like I said, like, a lot of people thought he was gone and they really liked that. And they began planning their sort of horse race sort of coverage of, of the new crop of center-right people that these were all people that, you know, hope against, I think it's fantasy, but I sort of see why they had this fantasy. Hope against hope would be the perfect socially liberal sort of pro-environment, but also good reformers, right? You know, meaning sort of austerity and-, and, and uh, We're going to tackle Brazil's pension problem, and then yeah. we're also going to get a glowing write-up from The Economist. Right. They thought that, okay, well, actually, maybe we'll come out of this with the best possible candidate for- like the readership of the Economist, but like in when you have Bolsonaro running the country, you can't let you know you can't that kind of a fantasy. Even if you think it's would be good, it's just it's it's not it, realistic. You have you to look at who's on the ground. A, a, some kind of a Brazilian version of a never Trump conservative National Review guy wasn't going to save the country. They had, I mean, they had who they have. They, well, Sergio Moro himself was like thrown about forever. Although he's, well, like he's really good. not, he's yeah. really yeah. He did a really good job. He's so. really really unimpressive if you like see him speak. And then like this guy who runs a TV show, like uh, like you know again, this is where all politics is going. This guy Luciano Huki, like Huck, uh, just like had done years and years of these like grading TV shows where he goes into favelas and gives poor families like a present. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so they got the guy from Undercover Boss Brazil to run against Bolsonaro, like, like sort of a more condescending bar rescue, but like for for and he rates their asses. It's kind of weird. Barrio rescue, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it seems fantasy to me. So yeah, I I also didn't love this editorial, although I hope he uh, doesn't get mad at me. I feel like there's there's an extent to which you'll see this, and I do recall this when Bolsonaro won that it seemed to immediately turn around to, well, Bolson, we can work with Bolsonaro. There's some great things he can do, like you said, tackling Brazil's pensions or, you know, what are your opportunities in, you know, mining and minerals for investments, <laughs> you know, based on the new Bolsonaro government. And I feel like it, it becomes a cliche. It feels like a cliche to point this out, but then it also can be so disorienting to watch it play out in real well, it's life. It's just so revealing, right? Like, oh, this Bolsonaro guy who's like an incompetent right-wing boob offers some great op like opportunities for us to do corruption in Brazil. Like, yeah, that's basically but, what they but mean. But then also it's like, but, but, but you feel as though the, those same people... You know, it's like um, when Berlin passed a relatively, I mean, I would say relatively aggressive, but cer certainly pretty strong rent control law. 
And Politico's Europe correspondent, who's like a, a weird like Austrian nationalist, Austrian American nationalist, <laughs> uh, was calling it full Venezuela. And I'm like, it, what the fuck are you talking about? It's the same kind of thing that you, you can see this play out once again, that, you know, the, the very we, legitimate concerns about PT or l- legitimate concerns about Lula. But then if somebody like a Bolsonaro analog or someone who's 1% less insane, but still just as right wing economically, socially, et cetera, that we can always find a way to, to accommodate them. And it's just, I don't know. I, I feel that's, like that's why that, I'm so terrified that they're just going to Patrice Lumumba, Lula. Mm. You know, was machen Sie hier? Ich bin Venezuela gegoogelt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. I mean, that, that question it comes up a lot. That uh, the accommodating the right and absolutely being just 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 purple in the face about the possibility of a left leaning government actually wielding power in a way that matches their rhetoric. Like you see this happen over and over again. You see it happen here. You saw certainly ha- saw it with the liberal, with the the sort of the, the establishment press in the UK. And I just I don't know. The, the, this 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 editorial sounds like just yeah. that, except for their their South America well, version. Brazil, like the United States and the rest of the hemis- Western Hemisphere, is like a violent settler colony whose history you can tell if you want as just a series of slave revolts and then the elites violently crushing the slave revolts. So like. There mm-hmm. is deep somewhere in the cultural, I mean, not DNA exactly, but in in the culture of, of South American elites and North American elites to be absolutely terrified of revolution from below. So even when it's not going to happen at all, um, you do get mm. this- Ancestral terror of the machete. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually like something kicks in. You're like, no, 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 not this. We're not going to get anything close to this. Yeah. And, and Venezuela chatter was, you know, you won't be surprised to hear- was really common when they were trying to bring down Lula and Dilma, you know, ultimately successfully. Well, I, I for one, am, uh, I'm excited for uh, Joe Biden's uh, cool, uh, woke, new, uh, multi, multi-ethnic, many-gendered CIA to uh, get to do their own Patrice Lumumba on, uh, on Lula. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. they're gonna do. They're gonna do. They're absolutely gonna send. What, what, what if they? What if we assassinate this center leftist with a, with a trans assassin? Yeah. makes you think. That's right. Yeah. This is. I a hundred percent am convinced, and I and, and and Vincent, please feel free to shoot this down if this is just me being an idiot and talking about stuff I don't know that much about. But I I have this call it not quite a conspiracy theory, but suspicion that one of the reasons for the success of the, like the early two thousands pink tide uh, movement governments in South America was that the, the U S foreign policy establishment was fixated on the middle East and central oh, Asia. They, yeah, yeah. And so like th- they were just dumping all their money and attention. Can't walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they weren't able to, uh, they weren't able to, 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 you know, uh, train the next generation of DINA agents, you know, at the school for the, the school of the Americas or the Western hemisphere Institute for national and economic security cop co- cooperation. Uh, they had to give it a new name because the school of the Americas was, uh, was, was too offensive. Um, they just didn't have the time and attention. They were too busy planning to invade Iraq and thus Lula got now elected. All those guys are busy place. on Ukrainian flag Twitter. So like, it's good news for South America. Oh, oh, Bolsonaro, <laughs> Bolsonaro fans, by the way, will fly uh, right wing Ukrainian flags. So like, if you're, a, if you're at a Bolsonaro rally, mm-hmm. The way to know, the awesome. way that you can see from like ten blocks away that there, are, it's a Bolsonaro rally. You'll see American flags because the American flag, of course, is coded as right wing in in South America. Is Israeli flags and you, cool. Ukrainian fascist flags. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. Much much like a the, meeting of Canada's uh, Social Democratic Party, the NDP. 
<laughs> the uh the what's it called the uh the the in the uk right-wing protests typically it's the union jack and the israeli flag and then sometimes the english yeah, flag but, too but no what so. you said is absolutely right like other people have noticed this and it's like there are incredible like real studies of this um the quote-unquote war on terror took a lot of the heat um that the united states uh um could generate in the first years of the 21st century and then in south america itself venezuela was like kind of like the human shield for the rest of the left in South America because they were the most, the, um, they were like at the front of uh, uh, U.S. attention after the the U.S. back to coup in 2002. So because Lula was like not as radical as Venezuela um, and because the war in Iraq was happening, yeah, I think that there was, there was a moment where like there wasn't a lot of attention paid so to the rest of South America. Effectively, that is more or less like a natural experiment that proves that the U.S. is the great Satan. Well, that's, that's been proven in a lab with like actual, you know, like rigorous analysis. So we don't yeah. need to. So you, you've heard it here first. Took you, a DNA yeah. test and I'm 100% the great yeah. Satan. The U.S. is absolutely <laughs> the great Satan. Trying to do a Lizzo. Yeah, I wish I could remember the way that Lizzo. Yeah, so, you know, the Lizzo song, but with the U.S. being yeah. the great Satan. That's the that's joke. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, I am uh, noting that we are uh, getting to about time. Uh, so, I just want to uh, say to you, the listeners of this podcast, uh, if you have not read the Jakarta Method, uh, you should uh, run, do not walk, to your nearest Kindle. But don't chew gum at the same time. <laughs> your, your nearest uh, Kindle, uh, Nook, uh, Mobo, Zoom yeah, books, books yeah. Apple books, uh, uh, bookstore, if you're in a jurisdiction where those Zoom are open. User. Yeah. Uh, download Vincent's book on your Zoom. Yes, uh, download uh, or uh, read buy, on Buy physical. the audio book and transcribe it yourself in long That's hand. right, and then read it. Um, yes, that's right. Uh, read the Jakarta method, uh, which is, I think, uh, more evidence, if anything, that uh, the U.S. is the great Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't, I didn't, didn't set out to make that point, but people have, uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of people have read, well, a lot more people have read it than I expected. You just follow the science. And, uh, yeah, they, yeah, I just, you know, I just lay out the facts. Uh, yeah. um, which is all about the, uh, essentially, um, uh, the sort of uh, methods of mass murder and torture used uh, in uh, sort of in, in anti-communist movements uh, in uh, Indonesia and more, more, more generally uh, the world. Uh, so I, I strongly recommend you read it if you want um, a... If you want to understand John McDonnell's joke after they lost the election of, could be worse, we could have ended up on a football pitch, yeah. read the Jakarta right. method. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've heard that joke from, yeah, like, I, I talked to some people in the Labour Party and I was like, what was your plan for sort of dealing with the, the like, you know, the security state and that guy yeah we didn't have one (laughs) 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 probably should have had one of those what were you going to do if the military didn't want you to be prime you're trying (laughs) to tell me that Jeremy Corbyn wasn't like planning a hostile takeover of the UK and he didn't have plans for all those you're trying to suggest to me that this man who was vilified for years and portrayed as a sort of evil Stalin like figure but also Hitler uh, but also worse than Hitler because he (laughs) was more anti-Semitic than Hitler actually was just a kind of bumbling old man who wanted people to have like nicer things. Yeah, it was just like out. He's like, well, we're gonna we try to be really nice to them. Yeah, yeah. Wither the British Chavez. Yeah. We were gonna give. We were gonna make. That's an episode. We were gonna make the. Uh, we were gonna make them make them some jam. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway. so that's why you need Bernie Sanders. They'd be like, what were your plans to deal with the security state? It was like, oh, I was going to headbutt them. <laughs> that's right. Um, so uh, with all of that being said, uh, you must get the Jakarta method. Um, and also to say to Vincent, thank you very much for coming and talking to us about this yeah. today. Yeah, thank you for having me again. Um, Oh, and to say to you, the listener again, so I'm talking to you again. So if you weren't paying attention, when I was talking to Vincent. Right, he's, right, he's pointing now. right now. You yeah. can't see that, but he is. You. Um, get a Yamaha like soundboard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's I'm, where they live. Yeah, we live on the Steinberg. <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I also would like to remind you that we have a Patreon five bucks a month for a second episode every week. Uh, you can get it. Yeah. Uh, the bonus feed. Yes. Yeah, the bonus feed. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Um, I don't remember what the bonus. Oh yeah, the bonus episode is going to be uh, all about NFTs this week. Oh, uh, yeah. We're finally talking. Uh, we, you have asked for it. You've been adding me about it. You've been quote tweeting me about it. You've been tagging me in NFT posts. We are finally I'm talking. Hate it. We are it's finally talking about and no, don't. It's not going to be all technical. There's a lot of silly fun stuff in there too. Tokenized <laughs> yeah. future. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and we're going to be talking with uh, Dan Beckner. Mm. Uh, second returning guest. Who's that guy? And uh, also with uh, Matt Lipchansky. So yeah. uh, do tune in for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do join us. Yes. So join us in the, in the, on the blockchain. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Join us and, on the blockchain. And the podcast. <laughs> and we will see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.